0: You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading energy analyst, David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Solar Ray Energy, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, and Watches, providing super smart devices to monitor and manage energy use.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy. And joining me as usual is David Leach, ITK analyst. David, how are you?
2: Very well, thanks, Giles. Trust your will. Trust uh, our listeners are also well and enjoying life. And uh, a special welcome to our uh, guest today.
1: Yes, look, um, I'd like to welcome Tim Storer, the independent senator from South Australia. Tim, thanks for joining us.
3: Oh, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity.
1: Look, we're having you on board today because you have been announced uh, just last week as the chair of a new parliamentary inquiry into electric vehicles. Now, it's pretty unusual, isn't it, for an independent senator to be uh, granted or to be allowed by the major parties to become a chair of something like this? How, how, did, that, how did that
3: happen? Uh, well, I think perhaps the uh, the uh, issue itself merits it, and uh, it was welcomed by th- both the uh, uh, government and uh, Labor and the Greens and I believe that uh, perhaps uh, that uh, you know, there could be some uh, cross-party support for this initiative and that may have led to this uh, unusual situation. Well, look, Let's only hope so. So, look, it is an electric. It's an inquiry into the electric vehicle.
1: Um, um, I guess. I guess the market potential. Can you just give us a brief explanation of what it is that you are looking into, and what it is that you hope to achieve from this?
3: Yes. Well, I thought it was important that uh, the uh, com- committee uh, that I am chairing uh, be able to, at the federal federal level, obviously being a centre of the inquiry uh, into the potential economic, environmental and social benefits of widespread electric vehicle uptake in Australia and partner with that I, is uh, measures to support the, the uptake, the acceleration of electric vehicle uptake in, in Australia. I also felt uh, perhaps uh, let's say more on the supply side that uh, we should look at the opportunities for electric vehicle manufacturing and supply and value chain services in Australia and related economic benefits from that. Uh, And then together, really with that demand and supply mix, looking at how federal, state and territory governments, local governments even, could work together to support the uptake and and manufacturing supply value chain activities.
1: So how long will this this, uh, inquiry take and and when do you expect to, to report on it?
3: Okay. Well, we've uh, uh, um, we've invited submissions uh, to which can be lodged uh, now, and also uh, we'll having a say the in days of uh, you know. Where we'll, where we will invite uh, uh, selected uh, uh, groups to um, take part in hearings, uh, both in Adelaide and Canberra and Melbourne, and that will be in August. And the uh, report will be generated from both of those two activities uh, with uh, uh, completion by October.
2: Mm. So, Tim, it interests me. Um, Senate select committees. Um, there's a lot mm. of things to say about them. But firstly, could I ask just what kind of budget do you do you, and resources do you actually have?
3: Ah, uh, well, the uh, Senate itself has a, a department which uh, is set up to uh, facilitate these. Uh, such committees uh, and they will adjust, I'm told, accordingly to the interest and uh, resor- uh, requirements needed. So, I'm not privy to any particular budget setting uh, but it's more uh, what, what is deemed uh, you know, appropriate to resource the inquiry to best report uh, to the Senate itself on this matter. So,
2: so someone will actually end up writing a report based on the submissions and the interviews. Uh, a draft yes. report. The secretariat will they, which will correct. then go to the committee for approval.
3: Correct. Correct. That's correct. The secretariat will be uh, driving the uh, <laughs> the uh, excuse the pun the um, the report uh, generation. And yes, correct. The committee will then see, uh, approve that.
2: And then the report is tabled and
3: and. Um, Is I guess
2: most of them just die at that point of time and become a reference for someone else, and very occasionally a report becomes useful in some other perspective.
3: Well, I'm hoping that this one is is very useful uh, in terms of driving uh, desire to have uh, 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 new uh, actions that can come bring about. Because I think uh, we all know that um, that you know in many other countries and markets in the world. Uh, electric vehicle uptake is significantly <coughs> higher than Australia and it's having uh, benefits for those countries and uh, so it's, you know, there's, there's many reports uh, that, as you have just noted, which provide uh, some, some benefits, partic- particularly one just recently by the Vice Waterhouse Coopers on and uh, with the Electric Vehicle Council talking about the boost to GDP and net employment and the savings that will flow to electric vehicle owners and uh, also elimination of a uh, significant amount of imported imported oil and and, and also emissions which is uh, i think a uh, quite uh, uh, important aspect as well in terms of our uh, our push to uh, the Paris agreement
2: yes oh, on the other hand uh, everything comes at a cost and as i think some of our listeners will be aware the, the petrol excise is a major revenue earner for mm. the federal government uh, and, and to the extent that electric vehicles are taken up that that will reduce that excise it's it's been a long standing sort of issue with me that the public accepts the petrol excise as as a good thing or doesn't think about it but is always so anti a carbon tax but but i guess mm. any federal policy uh, we'll have to take that into account as well. And then I guess the inquiry is also going to look at one of my other pet bug beers, which is state and even local government policies.
3: Yes. Um, so at the federal level, there are a variety of actions that could, could be um, uh, said by the report through the submissions and the hearings to uh, bring about. And you've, you've touched upon some of them uh, then. I mean, the, there's a discussion of the need for uh, reassessment of the fuel excise tax uh due to and to perhaps more of a re- looking at a road road user charge uh then but at the state level um there's the opportunities to uh review uh vehicle registration or stamp duty charges for electric vehicles because of the you know reflecting that the the benefits that will come from from them and uh I think also something perhaps uh, of interest will be possibilities of, of uh, the local government of assistance for electric vehicles moving around the city and bus lanes and even perhaps free parking as well as an initiative that at the local level that could be undertaken to assist people. Yes, free
2: parking has been shown to be very successful. Mm. There was a uh, study by the International Vehicle Council and I've got the name wrong there of which policies actually work and don't work, and they certainly talk to parking has uh, has been tremendously successful in places like Norway. Another trend that I would observe is happening in several cities around the world is converting uh, buses to electric. Uh, are you likely to look at that too?
3: Um, yes, I. Uh, it's vehicles is is broad. Uh, it's not uh, only uh, cars and you know, also. Uh, buses and other, other uh, you know, passenger vehicles or other, other um, vehicles as well. Um, I note, you know, there is some actions in terms of uh, electric uh, buses in Australia already, so I'd be interested in the input uh, from those groups into the, uh, uh, the uh, report and uh, hearings, uh, yes. But I think uh, buses uh, is certainly uh, on, the, on the table
1: tell me what, what sparked your interest in electric vehicles um, do you own one do you aspire to own one have you, have, I, have you driven one
3: I have I have uh, uh, driven one been in one I do aspire to own one I'm very interested in the uh, prospect of the, the many uh, new models that could come into Australia uh, both uh, new or even uh, uh, second hand uh, that could assist uh, in the choice then uh, this would uh, uh, obviously we need policies that will um, provide uh, facilitate that both in price terms but uptake well price coming down which would drive uptake to then generate uh, desire by the manufacturers and importers mm. to bring the, the vehicles in uh, and uh, that's something that I hope that could uh, could uh, be you know noted as a, a policies policies driving that that could come out of the the report um, yeah, it, i think uh, I think I've just uh, come to a bit of an epiphany about the issue uh, this year uh, in the uh, variety of, of benefits that flow uh, from the from the uh, the uh, the vehicles themselves uh, for not only the individual user but uh, our um, possibilities of you uh, know the, the not only the savings for the individual user or the reduction in uh, pollution, but also ability for the batteries themselves in the vehicles to assist in the uh, relationship uh, with uh, many people's private uh, solar power and, and other generations to drive uh, a assistance to the uh, electricity grid and then to our overall energy market. Mm. Are you worried? It, the other members of your committee and I
1: can't actually remember all their names, but when they were read out to me by um, one of your people, um, they all sounded eminently reasonable. Um, are you worried that this, like in other subjects, may get bogged down in this sort of the bipartisanship that um, has sort of dominated so many debates over the last couple of years? And we've actually seen um, in some of the media reporting and, and, and some of the stances that we've um, that we've heard from Parliament.
3: Uh, well, um, I. I think I, I can understand what you're alluding to. I would hope that the... Uh, but that, now that you're the chairman, you need to be a diplomat, I suppose. Well, uh, I, think, um, I think that uh, further, further information and evidence is, is always good too in the prosecution of a particular uh, opportunity. And, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, the best thing
1: I think you can do is probably get a fleet of electric cars and actually take every parliamentarian out for a little test drive in, a, in an electric car. I think that might we'll actually go a long, long way to actually breaking down some of the barriers and some of the thinking
3: about it. Uh, well, I, I believe that um, ag- aggressive fleet purchasing policies could be as you know, not only uh, for individual <laughs> p- politicians, but in general, uh, there's some statistics in terms of the, that uh, if uh, we had an uh, increase in government uh, Governmental fleet purchasing policies; it would lead to significant new models coming into the marketplace, and then that would, uh, you know, entice uh, you know p- private buyers of of those vehicles mm-hmm. once they see the, them in place on our streets.
2: Will you be encouraging the state governments or uh, communicating with them directly? Because federal government policy is important, but. Uh, Again, if we look around the world, state government policies are also important, but this is a federal government committee, Mm. and and so, you know, you obviously don't have any direct influence over what states do or don't do.
3: Mm. Um, Yeah, I would hope that uh, this is uh, a, you know, takes ownership at the the federal level of what policies could be undertaken there and uh, seeks to... Uh, build, you know, work with those uh, states and local governments in uh, the further uh, elements of what what could be um, a, a, what could be required, a, a, what could be advised needs to occur. I mean, I think of the rollout of charging infrastructure is one I can immediately uh, think of in that regard. Um, so uh, I hope that it won't be too prescriptive but um, but will be taken as uh, a, a useful addition to considerations in this area
2: and you you mentioned um, the demand side which is what I think I personally focus on more heavily but mm. as a speaking as an ex analyst of companies I'm always a little cautious on companies going into new business like vehicle manufacturing mm. which at the end of the day has a pretty Sorry, history in Australia um, in terms of profits, and I, I question even at this extremely early stage, despite our growing population, whether we are the global marketplace. You know that vehicles here could ever be exported to any further than New Zealand, mm. um, and, and, and yeah.
3: Well, I think um, with uh, further domestic uh, uptake, uh, that the and the different model. As I understand it, used in production of these vehicles uh, versus the traditional internal combustion engine process, that uh, there uh, would enable uh, perhaps uh, innovative new startup or new new companies to service uh, the marketplace here in Australia with uh, their uh, the vehicles. Our, our uptake is so low at, at present that I don't want to consign. Um, myself or, the, you know, the process too, uh, that it's not, not possible without a significant export of, uh, of vehicles.
2: And, and, and another way of looking at it is that Australia, I believe I'm correct in saying, doesn't have any explicit emission standards for the vehicles that are currently either on the road or being sold at the moment, and that we effectively import all our standards by taking those that are used in overseas models. Mm. one way to incentivize electric vehicles would be to in, impose fairly tough standards on emissions in a, of existing vehicles
3: yes uh the, the uh, there have been um, several uh, 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 regulatory impact statements undertaken by the, the government uh the ministerial forum on Veh- forum on vehicle emissions uh both uh, on light passenger vehicles and then also in general on uh, Noxious uh, substances. I think there's a, a call to increase the uh, uh, standards from the present Euro five to uh, six, uh, as I understand it, which would provide uh, an impetus for uh, with the um, ad, you know additional additional cost of of uh, heavy, you know large uh, emitting uh, Vehicles that, with electric vehicles or even uh, hybrids, uh, plug-in hybrids being much lesser, that they would have a a, a price, price competitiveness which would drive uptake uh, of them. You, you know
1: in, 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 um in your speech I think um I listened to um, a very good speech you made in Adelaide at the uh, storage conference in um in March, and also in your announcement last week um, you're talking about the slow uptake of electric vehicles in Australia 02 percent I think mm. but um, also the forecast of a fifty percent uptake by two thousand and forty and I think that came from bloomberg and um it was interesting to note the Australian energy market operator had forecasts which were um, if anything slightly more ambitious than that mm. is it um is it a bad thing that Australia has a slow start and then a um, then and sort of comes down the track sort of you know more quickly, or, or, or do you think um, what are the advantages of keeping pace with the rest of the world right at the start?
3: Well, I can, I can understand the sort of glass half full uh, approach you're thinking of there, but uh, as I understand it from groups like uh, the Electric Vehicle Council, they would say that we are already. Know, seven years behind other markets. So uh, I think I would advocate that um, uh, further delay uh, to therefore be able to um, leap <laughs> leap at some later date forward. Um, I wouldn't necessarily advocate that. I think that it's it's enough at the moment if you visit or uh, see visit or other markets see the benefits from that are occurring there. I think that um, it's uh, appropriate to take action now, such that uh, the ultimately the, the benefits can start flowing to to our society uh, now, mm. rather than uh, waiting to waiting further to see see what what, mm. uh, what might transpire. Because uh, I think that uh, it without significant action, um, we're going to uh, be you know further behind. I would I would take a, a more negative a, a viewpoint yeah.
1: of it. Some of the um, some of the discussion has been about any sort of incentives towards um, electric vehicles. It's either something that favours the rich, or some people even described it as something like a carbon tax of wheels. I think that sort of description goes as well to emissions targets or sort of um, fuel efficiency targets as well. How do you overcome then that sort of resistance and that sort of attitude?
3: Ah, uh, well, I think that uh, uh, further Further study, reporting, uh, shining a light, building the the uh, uh, you know bridges and coordination with with between the government levels will uh, assist in meeting those you know those criticisms uh, as you've stated there. And I think uh, further understanding of of how um, the electric vehicles, the batteries themselves, could assist the Current uh, energy uh, marketplace and be um, uh, you know to in in general would uh, would uh, negate some of those some of those criticisms.
2: Hmm. I I think myself it's uh, simpler than that. I I think it's a matter of making it something that provides incentives rather than increased costs. And you bury higher costs in tighter standards, which nobody, no consumer, even even a journalist, the Australian can't actually pick up how it increases costs. It's because it's buried in a tighter standard. And things like free parking, as I must have said ten times on this podcast, actually don't cost anyone anything to start with, because there aren't any electric vehicles, uh, and uh, but they provide an incentive to get one. So the costs at the beginning um, are, are, are always very low of these of these incentives.
3: Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so something else I, I wanted to touch upon is, of course, the, um, the inherent uh, capability we have in Australia, um, not just in human resources but natural resources in these areas. We have uh, the uh, necessary metals needed for the batteries and so I'm quite uh, interested and enthused by the developments in both uh, or mining and refinery and then the... Uh, the gigafactory uh, proposals uh, of battery makers uh, in some cities in in Australia uh, that this could be uh, a means by which to assist in the uh, you know, creation of a domestic vehicle manufacturing. Uh, sector of particular particular mm. vehicle types, they may not we, we, be... See, I
2: question everything. that because I think right. the history uh, uh, shows that Australia is good at exploiting the raw materials. And in fact, I would even question whether uh, um, getting lithium out of spodumene is, is as cost effective as getting it from the brines in the same way that it's done in South America. But but our advantage has always been not really in building factories and manufacturing. If you look at uh, our industry, it's been in the extraction of the raw materials, uh, in in providing intellectual power Mm -hmm. um, uh, through innovation, and occasionally in what is a very global industry in providing components. But anyway, that, that's a much broader debate.
1: I reckon, I reckon David, we should we, we should we should use this chance to evolve. And I'm actually quite interested by some of these um, things. I mean, not just the sort of the mining of the cobalt and the and the, and the lithium, but um, these gigafactories in proposed. There's one I think it proposed in Cairns by by Bill Moss, the ex-Macquarie banker. Another one proposed in Darwin, and I'm fascinated by the. Um, by the declared intentions at least of Sanjeev Gupta mm. and his uh, low-cost electric vehicle in Adelaide, and um, I'm equally fascinated by not just the idea that he could um, he thinks he can build electric vehicles in Australia but also have them manufactured quite cheaply based um, equally largely upon the lower cost of energy that would come from solar and storage and what have you. and I should also point out that we've actually got a couple of smaller um, bus and specialty um, EV manufacturers there was one in Adelaide, which just produced a, an electric ute for the Olympic um, for BHP to use underground at Olympic Dam where um, you know the traditional diesel engine is, um, is, is a ghastly thing to have um, under, in an underground mine. so they've developed an electric vehicle there. And um, we're also sort of reasonably um, uh, we're, we're doing quite well on electric charging network or at least electric mm. charging station developers. So I guess um, Tim, just to sort of wrap up on on, on on this that there is a lot of opportunities there.
3: Yes, I, I, I believe so. I think you summarised uh, some of the other aspects quite well there, uh, which I hope that this um this inquiry would would look at, and that uh, uh, even uh, uh, the different uh, aspects, and perhaps that uh, some you know we could all have some of our perspectives uh, changed or improved, <clears throat> or uh, have a new 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 information to consider in for um, the overall good of the the uh, consumer base here in Australia. And that's what I hope the inquiry would would find out. And well, we wish you good so. luck and, um,
1: and thanks for joining us. But look, um, do stay on the line. Um, probably a good time now just to sort of turn towards the news of the week. Before I do so, I'm going to thank our okay. sponsors, um, Solaray Energy and What Watchers. Um, do stay on the line, Tim, because um, we might throw to you um, during this. Um, okay. Now, David, um, a few things to talk about this week. Now, you actually spent some hours on this morning listening to the Energy Security Board webinar. Um, I missed it, unfortunately. What did, um, what, what, what did I and um, many of our listeners miss?
2: Uh, three hours of quite interesting discussion. Uh, I must say it made me late for lunch, but Giles, but I'd do it again. Uh, if we cut through what the ESB itself said uh, and we go to the people that they had on consulting, which essentially represented generators, Uh, energy users, large and small, the St Vincent de Paul uh, Society, the Clean Energy Council, I would have to say that the vast majority of them, if not all of them, were in favour of the NEG. They all uh, emphasised the certainty of policy that it provides. Um, And then there was some debate, nearly all of them also had some issue or other, some technical issue, much more about reliability, though, Uh, than around the renewable target. Now, I would say, though, that the certainty actually doesn't happen. I I, I do accept a point that was made in another forum, uh, namely that uh, uh, what I might call a social or left-wing policy introduced by a conservative government has much more chance of sticking uh, than if it's introduced by a left-wing government because then then the conservative government owns the policy. And so, and I also get, in a sense, that the,
1: that, that assumes that it's a progressive or left wing policy in the first place.
2: Well, <laughs> which which an emissions intensity scheme is, and that's what the NEG is essentially. But I don't accept uh, that it will pr- provides more certainty because it doesn't have bipartisan support for the level of ambition. What it will do is, once it's introduced, there will be an election in. 2018 or early 2019, another one by 2022, and another one by 2025. And at each of those, if we're stuck with this uh, 26%, there will be attempts to get the target increased. Labor has a target of 45%. If you were a betting person at the moment, you would say that we would end up at an average of the two, which is about 37%. But of course, 37% still doesn't get us anywhere near two degrees warming, which is actually what our real Paris commitment is. So that's where I don't think it actually provides certainty uh, that people are looking for. I would go further and say that the ESB also mentioned at the end of it that they're going to move on to considering the ISP, and we'll come back to that. But they said that they were getting some more modelling done by um, ASOL, I think it was, Tasman, and that this confirmed or even strengthened the view that uh, the policy was likely to bring down electricity prices. Now, I don't see how that's the case because it won't get any new supply, but I would go on to say that even if it does work and if prices do come down and yet coal prices stay high, it's going to bring forward the closure of that coal generation earlier. And again, uh, that's something that we need to take into account.
1: Well, it'll be interesting to see, um, Tim. I mean, you've only been new to Parliament, and I guess energy is not exactly your game. But um, can you find any polite words to describe the um, the differences between the two major parties on this?
3: Uh, well, I think uh, I would perhaps uh, look at the the role I play, which is to you know review legislation that comes before me, uh, and I am hopeful that certainly uh, I think all Australians would be hopeful that the. The, we can have some more certainty uh, around this, this very important uh, issue that, that has been lacking in the last uh, 10, 10 plus years. Uh, and so, on that level, you know, I, I look forward to seeing what comes out of the August meeting on the the, the NEG in terms of uh, what, uh, what 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 is actually agreed to and uh, whether that is uh, workable. Uh, and uh, we'll, you know, get mm. get certain, you know, reasonable support, possible support by the two major parties, uh, which I think would uh, perhaps uh, um, provide some certainty going forward, bad, badly needed. Yeah. And, and Charles, I
2: think we've got two other big reports, which may or may not be this week, but are certainly in the offing. One is the ACCC report into electricity prices and whatever that may have to say about Gentailer market power. Uh, and the second one is, of course, the ISP, and and your is, is there some hint that, that that's going to be delayed a bit? Well, I think it already
1: is. It was supposed to be out the late last week, but um, then it was going to be this week, and now I'm told it's going to be next week, so um, I'm not too sure what's going on there. The ACCC report is going to be interesting. Um, Grattan Institute came out with a report um, today on wholesale prices, and I was astonished to see that they attribute only 2% of the price rises to the gaming in the market, which I think is a bit... Um, optimistic or pessimistic or, or, or whatever, I would have thought it would have been a lot um, more than that. So it will be interesting to see what the ACCC has to say about that. And um, we've certainly seen the impact of the Tesla battery into probably what Australia's smallest energy market is, the FCAS market in South Australia. But mm-hmm. just the presence of that battery has actually reduced those prices and just shown to me that really some of these markets have nothing to do with the cost of delivery, but all, all to do with the market power. So um, I'm going to be fascinated to see what the ACCC says. Um, I would also just like to point out that with the ISP, there was a uh, report from the Electronet talking about their favoured option to link South Australia and New South Wales. I don't know whether you got a chance to see that, David. But um...
2: I did see that, and and that was one set of options. And again, it's the complexities of the ISP of how of all this investment going to be paid for, and and how does it compare with um, more disaggregated approaches to 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 the markets. And uh, my view is the transmission is going to be needed, but I'm sure there'll be lots of room for debate. And I want to throw in a plug for your conference that you and Informa ran last week on large scale solar. This wasn't, uh, I must say, I learned a lot from that conference, far more than I expected to. And what I liked about it is it was everyone felt they were among friends there, so they were relatively open And I I heard, what I heard was uh, presentations from some companies that are really settled in for the long haul here in Australia and are going to be alternatives to the big gen tailors, whether it be uh, uh, CWP or or, or a number of other companies, we're going to get some new forces emerging in the market, uh, some big long-term serious players that over time are going to build a bunch of new generation. And I think that's uh, very much to be encouraged.
1: Indeed, indeed, and I was very heartened by that as well. And hopefully, Tim, um, we through your um, inquiry into electric vehicles and other things, also get more competition into the motor vehicle market and start speeding that transformation as well. Because um, I, for one, um, like you, I've driven an electric vehicle and fascinated by it. Can't wait until I can afford one, <laughs> which may, may be a while. But um, but look, good good luck with it, and um, thanks for joining us today.
3: Oh, thank you very much for having me. Thank you. Good
1: on, and thanks, David. We'll talk next week. Cheers, Charles.
0: Energy Insiders was brought to you by Solarray Energy, leading innovators of smart energy management technology. Experts in solar PV, storage, and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solarray.com.au and secure your energy future today. Energy Insiders was also brought to you by Wattwatches, makers of ultra-smart devices to manage electricity use and costs, accurately monitor and control electrical circuits over the internet in real time. Visit wattwatches.com.au and take control of your energy use.